Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody. Tom Miller here from Leaders Building Leaders. We are in session number two of our great book study here, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And um, hope everybody had a magnificent President's Day weekend. Hopefully you had that third day, maybe. Some of you I, I know had like four-day weekends. So, you know, how nice. Some of you took some work days. And I got a uh, great experience. Uh, uh, and I'll brag on Deb Brown here in her school, um, uh, the Explorer School. My uh, two kids go there, uh, third and eighth grade, and they got to participate in their portfolio, um, their quarterly portfolio. So it's always awesome to watch, um, you know, your own children talk their way through their education experience. Maybe that's the best way to say it. So, and so it was my third graders, kind of his first real one. They've had, you know, ones, but they didn't really, I don't know. And maybe in his mind, they didn't think they counted, right? But my daughter, she's an eighth grader. So she'll only have, I guess, maybe one more and she'll have her passage portfolio and then she'll be graduating. But uh, just to think through, right? So in a way, and the reason why I'm talking about this is, is appreciation. How do you make people feel appreciated in your organization? And I think that when the teachers get to hear the their uh, students talk about what they're learning and how they're you know evolving and as humans and improving their character um that's got to make teachers feel good and appreciated i would imagine right and i think from a parent's perspective it just gives you a greater appreciation for the work that that the teachers are doing but nobody ever says it to them <laughs> maybe at the end of the session like you know you're doing a great job but you know teachers would probably love to hear right and we'll talk about that here in a second teachers would probably love to hear more precise praise like what is it exactly that i did and it's it's interesting uh because you know as a as a trainer and a speaker and a lot of you have you know provided professional development to your schools or to maybe your counties or even at you know larger conferences i know deb is uh, speaking at ncat um here you know coming up and um you know when someone says to you good job or i really enjoyed it i've been i've been mentored to ask what specifically did you like? Because then I know to do more of that, right? Because many times we speak, uh, we speak or we share on what we think people need to hear. But it's not always what they listen to. And so as a leader, the more that you can figure out the language of your audience, the better you're going to be, the more you're going to be heard. Does that make sense, everybody? Right? So yeah, so that, that was just a fun experience to watch and then just kind of reflecting. So now I have an email to send, Deb. I'm going to have to tell, I'm going to have to tell both of the teachers how I, how I appreciate the work that they've done and, and tell them specifically what I believe they've done to help both of my kids grow, right? So uh, I would love to hear um, anybody's wins from last week or anything that they tried, you know, differently or just from you've, you, you've read the book, what, what new awareness uh, you have. Um, I dropped a couple of our questions in, the, in my school leadership made real simple uh, uh, Facebook group. And um, 
one of them was, you know, how do you feel appreciated, you know, and, and uh, you know, Courtney was brave enough to put her answers out there, which was awesome. And uh, so I told Courtney that she inspired me to ask my team. And um, during one of our daily calls, I asked them, you know, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel appreciated? And there was dead silence. And I was like, uh-oh. And they're like, oh, you're really asking us? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really asking you. And, um, and my two teammates, Emily and uh, Lauren, who you know, some of you have met or maybe received an email from at least, um, you know, they both gave some pretty, you know, good generic responses that any supervisor would like to hear. I like that you're flexible, like in my lifetime, in my life needs right now, you know, you're really helping me with this, that. And then I got a, you know, like a follow-up text message with some maybe more things because they're both process-oriented people. They're both um, C styles and S styles, right? So it takes them time to process and they want to get their words straight. So always remember that too, right? Everybody that you're speaking to has potentially a different personality style than you. And, um, you know, putting people on the spot isn't what they always love either. Um, so always, you know, giving them time to think about that. If you were part of our um, framework for uh, having difficult conversation session last night, it was really great. Um, we had our we had our biggest crowd of like 400, and uh, one of the parts of there is the L, right? It's V R U O L. It's vision, reality, understanding, opportunity, and L is leadership. And the leadership question is, you know, how could I have led you better? How could I have communicated this better? And you can't. You know, you can't expect people to respond on the spot because uh, they might need time uh, for that, you know, feedback, right? And you giving them that time is another way of appreciating their style, right? And letting them know that, hey, I know you might not have this answer now, or I know, you know, you like the process because you really want to make sure you, you give a really good response. So go ahead and, and uh, take that time, right? So the more that you get to know your people, the better it's going to be. So that was my just aha moment or learning for the week. Anybody else willing to, to share one of theirs maybe? I don't know if necessarily it was an aha, um, but I took from the last conversation that we had about showing people that you appreciate them and I think the the next few days I took the time to kind of spend time with a student who I see a lot by themselves, like they eat lunch by themselves. They don't really interact with anybody. And um, I really enjoyed being able to sit there and have that one-on-one -on -one time with them and just kind of get to know their story. Uh, we're lucky enough to be such a small school that we can do that. And um, I think that that helped build a relationship because I don't necessarily see them interact with a lot of people, but now like if there are problems or anything, um, they'll come and they make sure to check in with me in the morning. And then like today they were willing enough to go sit, you know, with another group of people at lunch. And so um, I took that and then um, just trying to make sure that I show like the students that they're seeing and I appreciate that they're here and I'm, I want to get to know them and things like that. Um, and then I was visiting my family over the weekend and I had my book out and my dad wants to read the book. So I'm supposed to send him his own copy. Um, but yeah, so that was, I just tried to make sure that my students know that I appreciate them, you know, for coming and I want to get to know them as individuals. Uh, I bet they love that. They, they probably don't have a lot of adults, you know, doing that in their life, you know, cause we're all, we're all super busy. That's awesome, Courtney. What does your dad do? What, what uh, profession is he in? Uh, my dad is retired army. And so he still contracts okay. um, in communications. So he works with communications and logistics and computers, which is how I got my love of it as a child. Mm -hmm. um, but he still has to like lead teams and help train soldiers and things like that. And so um, he and I do book reading together. Um, he'll read stuff that interests him and I'll read what interests me. But then, um, you know, 20 plus years in the military, you're obviously a leader. And so I just was wondering if he had ever seen or heard of the book and he was like, no. And 
he like wanted to take my copy. He's like, when you're done, give it to me. And I was like, I'll just get you your own copy. Like you can have that. So. I learned about the commander's notebook from uh, Colonel Stein, Colonel Leslie Stein. He was, he's the guy who turned around Maureen Joy Charter Academy and the two other charter schools here in North Carolina. He told me about the commander's notebook, how every commander has this little notebook and they've got, you know, one of their soldiers' names and everything that they know about them. Everybody has a page and it's, I would, I would have never guessed, it blew me away um, that, that, that the military would have such a uh, appreciation type, you know, strategy to build rapport, but it makes total sense because leadership is about influence and relationships. It's not about a title. Well, that's awesome. And tell your dad, thank you for his service and looking forward to hearing his, his thoughts. He should hop in here one of these weeks and, and give us his thoughts. What about you, Deb? You've got, um, I know you've, you've read the book and you've done some work around this. Anything, anything in uh, particular? I had two things that kind of jumped out at me. One is um, I do like a virtual huddle every day. So um, just online. So I always post like a morning message in our chat and it usually has, uh, um, you know, something that, uh, that I recognize that's going on that I appreciated about what's, what's happening at school. And it doesn't really get a lot of traction. It's, um, and I tried particularly, we started doing this when we were, when we were remote as a way to just have a morning time that everybody could kind of connect and say, here's what, what we know about what's going on. Here's where this person is. If somebody's absent, if we have a guest teacher in the school, that kind of thing. And so I, in my, the, the piece that jumped out at me from the book was this idea of, you know, do you show appreciation, but do you do it individually and deliberately? And even though I think I'm saying, gee, it was a great job and what it, what it, how good it was to see like the portfolios or this um, group that was planned at this, or I got a chance to sit in on the, um, the great society debate. And that was really great. Today in the stand-up meetings, which are face-to-face, -face, I actually made it a point to go around to each person and say, I've noticed this, like you're really working hard on this. I really noticed this. And I'm, you know, you know, explorers, they're, they're kind of jaded over there. <laughs> and they're a little cynical about things. They all lit up like Christmas trees. And, and I, and I thought, I, uh, okay, I hear, I was thinking that I'm, I'm doing this all the time, but I'm not saying it directly to them and possibly like in front of their peers too, um, to there, it was really great. And the other one was just another little piece with, we have a like lots of kids, we have we have at least one kid in the seventh grade that wanders a lot. Like my most of my interactions with him are where he's supposed to be because he's he's almost never where he's supposed to be. Um, and he popped his head in in the in the doorway and he said, "Do you do you have any old yearbooks?" And I was like, "You know, you need to be back in class. Where I bet you asked to go to the bathroom and now you're stopping in here." And and I just sort of stopped for a second and said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, his uncle had gone to school at Explorers." And was this year, and did I have a picture? And I thought about it and I said, you know, what's gonna be more valuable right now is I send this kid back to class, <laughs> or if I take a minute, and yeah, I can put my hands on this, and sure enough, you know, within five minutes, I found the book with his uncle's picture in it of him at the same age, and I just had this lovely little moment. And then I walked him back to class and told him, you know, make sure you stay on there. So <laughs> that, that gift of time piece, you know, that right, sometimes right. what's, what's yeah. more important in that moment. Quality time is huge. That's right, because that's what he's going to remember. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to remember not to leave class again, but he's going to definitely yeah. remember the fact that you that you you know, gave him that, which is a great you know leading right. So when we're talking about words of affirmation, I think it's page like 50, 55 in my book. Um, effective verbal praise is specific, right? And the more you can catch your staff or members of your team doing a task in the way you want it and call attention to that task or the behavior, you're gonna get more of it. <laughs> Which is fascinating. I mean, the first school I was a principal at, I, I can't remember if I talked about it last week, but that's, you know, it was praise the behavior you desire to see, you'll get more of it. That's what our leader, you know, we had a four to one ratio. That was the expectation, you know? I like the way you answered that. Or like Deb said, I notice, I've happened to notice that you've been doing, you know, I mean, whatever it is, you know, people like to, to be noticed. And, and, you know, global praise or generic praise is just, it's just ineffective. And, you know, the authors talk about how it could actually be demoralizing, which I had to think about that. But I guess if nobody's noticing the extra effort I put in, why put in the extra effort? You know, as an exceptional children's teacher for, you know, set my first seven years in education, 
I learned that negative attention is easier to get than positive attention. And that's why most of our kids do it. And then I realized as a principal, well, adults do it too. It's no different. It's just a human behavior, right? It's a human behavior. So it was, int it was interesting for me. If, um, I, I've read the book before mm -hmm. and um, kind of went back and really reflected on this. And what I realized was that because my appreciation language is words of affirmation, that's what I tend to do more. And that's what I tend to facilitate more within the staff. Um, and it was, it was really good for me to break it down into kind of the different categories. And every week in our weekly newsletter, staff has the opportunity to provide shout outs for one another. And so this week I went through and we had 68 shout outs. So that's really good, you know, a lot of people saying a lot of great things. Um, 14 of them were praise for accomplishments. 28 were affirmation for character. Um, 22 of them were praise for personality. And then there were four of them that were just like, hey, thanks for being my friend, right? That were the kind of the, what you're talking about right now that really didn't help people know how to move forward with it. Um, and so I just am kind of going to take that information. I thought I would kind of keep looking at how staff is using that words of affirmation with one another um, to build and, and to show that value of appreciation. Yeah, I love what you did there. Uh, uh because you know you take this a chapter and it's got those you know different types right because there's all those different types of personality styles uh Jenny I really like that and and that's a great way um and even you know like if you've taken a disc personality profile whether with us or with someone else like that's what I did is I actually took the personality profile and I started to look at like you know, praise for the personality, the optimistic, well, that's an I style, the praise for the aggressive, that's a D style, praise for the neat, that's a C style, or the planner, it's a C style. And I was like, wow, okay, now, now I have a whole other way of looking at my team, you know, to do that. So when we had our weekly tactical meeting yesterday, I did it to a couple of people. I was like, because I had, oh, I don't have it in front of me, but I usually, hold on. I've got my I've got my disc style chart. It might be hard for you guys to see it, but it's my disc. So it's my whole team, and I got their disc style. So when we have our meeting, I have this in front of me, and I actually look at all their different styles. So when I'm talking to them and I'm listening to what they're doing, I'm like, oh, you did that because you're an S, you know, style, or like I know this one's going to be a little bit longer because sometimes an S style, you know, needs to talk a little bit more to get more stuff out, or the aisle they need the social time. But yeah, what a, you know, what a great way. So just another way to get to know your people and making sure that you're providing specific positive praise statements based upon the exact task or behavior that you desire to see. And just to like piggyback off of that topic, um, I did the, the inventory test and Tom, I did my disc profile with you guys. And so I was that CS, the furthest away from people and all of that. And it's so funny because I have the exact opposite for working. Like my work appreciation is quality time. And I'm like, I have a CS precisionist leadership brain, but I feel valued when I'm around other people. Wow. That's all. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do, you know, differently in like the environment self, right? Versus your uh, mm -hmm. private self, right? So I, so I can't remember if you took our two graph, you know, disc or a three graph disc, Courtney, but yeah. We had, I did the three. The three, yeah. Yep. And it's really cool. Like I like looking at all those uh, pieces too and see how, you know, how I'm, you know, different in you know, different, you know, phases with teams or independently working. Can you please share a little bit more with what you're referring to with the C and the S and the I style? I'm not familiar with that. Sure. Yeah. So the DISC uh, personality profile, there's everybody has four different types of personality as like a high style. There's a, there's a dominant style and they're the, you know, very decisive, you know, quick to make decisions. There's the I's, they're the influencers. They're very optimistic and outgoing, um, engaged and involved in a lot of stuff. 
there's the S style, uh, which they love a peace and harmony. And, and that's this Teddy style or the supportive style. Great teammates, team workers. They're like 69% of the world is this, is this style. Uh, and then the last style is the C style. It's the cautious, the, uh, you know, competent style. They're the measure twice and cut once, right? They, they, love, they love being right. Quality answers, clear instructions, and feeling valued. And so, um, you know, I usually, you know, in any program that we have, uh, you know, we did, you know, the DISC uh, profile, because it's just, it's important for you to know who you are, so then you can better lead the people around you. And the more that you study it, the more that you get to recognize the people around you, and you start to learn to change your leadership style and communication style to match theirs. Because that's, because you said, the first thing you said is, I, I give appreciation and how I like to give appreciation. So, right. So if I was working with you, I would know that. And I would make sure that I'm trying to talk to you in your language as much as possible. Not my language, because that's about me. Right. And leadership is about other people. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'll, I'll you know, drop the link um, to get a disc, you know, profile. I found it. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and there's lots of different versions of it. Um, you know, you can get it. We have it for uh, students and college you know, level and, and entrepreneurs and leaders and all. It's great. So I, so I just want to, you know, and, and, and this is a great conversation about affirmation. I want to make sure um, there was this part about the affirmation about the character and values, right? So character reveals the values and the attitudes, right, uh, that, that are part of every person's makeup. And so um, that's, that's how you want to make sure that you're seeing the values in other people. And when we fail to affirm positive character traits, we are failing to affirm our greatest asset, which is our employees. I mean, I was listening to a John Maxwell podcast this week. It's, you know, he just put out two on, on influence. And he's like, you know, who's your greatest asset? You know, people, who are you going to use to get things? I mean, everything's people. Everything's people. And, and it's such a critical part that nothing worthwhile is achieved alone. And if we don't take the time to start valuing and understanding the people on our teams and the people that we serve, I mean, we're in the people business. Schools wouldn't exist without people. <laughs> it'd, be quite, it'd be quite a quiet, quiet classroom otherwise. And then also be praising to their strengths. So again, going back to our disc, you know, profile, our, our page 17, you know, Courtney, uh, since you have already, uh, is our strengths page and, and, and really making sure that you know, people need to know what their strengths are. You as the leaders need to keep you know, people in their strength zone and um, away from their areas of weakness and, and make sure you're constantly praising them uh, for their strengths. And like Deb said, affirm them in front of others. Such a big, a big part is, um, now we'll learn later that not all people like the uh, public praise, right? So you have to be conscious of that. Uh, but, you know, um, the more that you can affirm people and get to know them, you'll know whether or not they're serious or not about that. Any other thoughts on, on that first, you know, chapter? Or the, I'm sorry, that first, that, that first language affirmation? I think that piece about handwritten notes was kind of powerful. So I, I remember, you know, my, my great aunt, my mother, you know, making me write thank you notes. Um, but we had, I had a pair of maiden aunts who, you know, we were the only children in the, in the family that we got gifts from them all the time. <laughs> and they didn't have kids of their own and they spent a lot of money on us. And my mom would always say it's because they would tell us straight up, like, you're the only one who acknowledges things. You, you write a thank you note and and we, we want, it makes us happy and we want to give you more stuff. So it was a little, you know, as a, as a seven-year-old, it was a little transactional, but, but, you know, that sort of stuck. And then when I started Explorers, I can't remember what had happened. We had something in the community that happened and I, Mary Margaret and Tom knows that she's kind of our, our front desk receptionist among many other things. Um, I was looking for some stamps because I had written some notes to thank somebody who'd come by the school for something. And she was like, you did a handwritten note? Like, yeah, I keep a whole box of cards. It only takes a second to, to do that. And it just, I wasn't even writing a note to her, but the fact that I was writing a note yep. um, just seemed to make a difference. And then I've shared with Tom um, in, in, in our 
um, inner circle meetings, um, I was started doing walkthroughs this year, and I picked this up from somebody, I don't remember in the group, um, with post-it notes. And so when I walk through and I see a post-it note, and I, I don't have to interrupt class, but I'll just make a note. And we're particularly working on this responsive classroom, so we're focusing on like the language that teachers are using. And I'll just write a quick post note, and it's like, hey, really good envisioning language on reminding people why they were going to need to know this. And, and I just pop the post-it note, you know, on their desk or on their computer and, and walk back out again. I didn't think really much of anything about it until I started going into some of the teacher workspaces and I'd see them all lined up and they were keeping them all. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this is just this little, you know, one-off type of quick thing. It, it wasn't even all that specific. But yeah, I think people, people like that tangible handwritten aspect. I still have uh, chew boxes of notes from when I was a teacher. That's 20 years ago. My daughter keeps them too. You know, when I leave for a, a couple of days, if I'm on a trip, I'll usually write my kids a note and I happen to notice on her mirror, they're there. And they're very random. I mean, they're nothing but to her, there's something, right? It was one of my biggest pieces of advice to me you know, when I was doing beginning teachers and every student teacher I've had is get yourself a shoebox and start saving the notes because you're going to need, there's going to be a day when you're going to need to stop and read them again because <laughs> it's not going to go well. You're going to go back and read to all these kids who said you made a difference because you're going to have that one parent that's going to say you don't and there's going to be a two-year two period of time where this crazy you know, virus is going to come and shut down and you're going to need something to keep you going. That's right. And I, I do have one more note here to myself is that you must be careful of how you praise. So remember, um, 93% of communication is body language and tone of voice, right? It's 55 body language and 38 tone of voice. So you can praise someone in the wrong tone or the wrong body language and it, it doesn't really feel very authentic, right? It just feels like it's a check off. So just be super conscious of how you do that. I, I'm sure I've been guilty of that. Uh, you know, a, a sarcastic praise or a nonchalant praise. Uh, and yeah, I, I know I need to be better at that, so cool. Well, that may be where the written affirmation really has its place, right? Because, you know, I, I really appreciated that part as well, as if you're not able to sincerely express affirmation to your colleague at this time, then silence is preferred. Um, and I'm like, that teacher probably is going to see through me because we're maybe in a little bit of a conflict right now where she's feeling, she's feeling a conflict and I may not. However, I can still appreciate work that she does. And I can still communicate that to her. And she may not be receptive in a face-to-face um, -face conversation, but you know, she, she would be able then to accept that and I would be able to express it authentically in a written manner. Um, and so I think that that can possibly serve as a bridge. That's great, Jenny. All right, let's move to quality time, huh? Um, you know, and again, we'll learn later that like these two words of words of affirmation and quality time are the are the are the two biggest languages, right? And so when I thought about, you know, busy principles and how little time we typically spend, especially with those that are most important on our team, this is a big one, you know, because we're so, you know, teachers are only on campus with you for seven, eight hours a day, maybe. And when you spend your seven or eight hours in the business, being the technician and not being the, you know, people developer and influencer, you're missing that quality time. You're missing that quality time. Um, so for me, the most impactful part of this chapter was page 71 when he gives, when the, when the authors give that checklist. Um, and I started to really think about what this looks like, right? So maintaining eye contact. I need therapy about this. I'm not sure what it is about me. I've talked to some mentors about this. Like, how come I have a hard time like looking people in the eye? It's a, it's, it's something that I, you know, know I struggle with. I'll look down or I'll look up or I'll look away. And, right. And even if you're even on like a zoom, you know, we tend to look at ourselves in the camera, right? We tend to look at ourselves, but when you're recording yourself, right? Why am I looking down or, 
you just, you know, you just kind of, you know, think through these things, right? Resist the temptation to look at the ceiling, the floor, and the window. The second one is resist the impulse to interrupt. And this is that big listening to understand part. And um, most meetings I go into, I'll write in big caps at the top, listen, right? Or shut up. Because <laughs> it's important as a leader, you know, your job is to ask questions and hear what your team is talking about and, and you know, getting them to their best answer as a group, not necessarily telling everybody what to do. You tell everybody what to do, then what's the point of having them, right? What's the point in the meeting? Just, right? But resisting the impulse to interrupt is a big one. I mean, the average person listens for only seconds before they interrupt them. You just think of how many thoughts go through your mind like that, right? Instant. Uh, listening for the feelings as well as the thoughts. Right. So this is the only way you could do this is to be present. I know I'm not an effective leader when it comes to empathy. I have awareness of that. I'm learning how to do it. But this is, you know, this is an important part, right? I mean, and I remember I put a note to myself, most of you maybe went through crisis prevention intervention, right? When you're like specifically saying the, what you think the person's feeling, right? I could tell that you're angry because you're smashing your head against the wall or whatever. It's probably not the quality time that we're looking for, but like, I was like, oh, wow. It's like really, that's observational. That's being in the moment to be able to do that observe the body language, uh, and affirm their feelings, even if you disagree with their conclusions. And that's a, and that's a big one, right? I've, I've, I've tried to watch, I've tried to watch leaders that are better than I am at that. You know, hey, you have a certain right to be, <laughs> you, you know, yeah, you know, you can certainly feel that way, right? But you don't, you know, I don't have to affirm those thoughts, right? I don't have to agree with that. And, and so this is, this is important for, for leaders to hold, to hold the, the, you know, the image or the expectations high, but also, you know, remember that everybody in your organization is doing the best that they can. And they, you know, and, and so to try to look at it through their lens, but keep those high expectations is a big one. So um, those were just five that I saw in, in here. And there's a whole bunch of experiences and, you know, quality time is a really big chapter. Um, quality time is my wife's love language. Now the love languages are different from the workplace languages most of the time. Um, but again, like I've had to figure out, you know, we've been together 20, this is not a test. Let me see here since 1996. So let's see, four, uh, eight, how many is that? 28 years. God, it's a long time. Can't be that long. It's gotta be close to anyway. Uh, yeah. Quality times are a thing, doesn't matter, right? Whether we're sitting next to each other watching TV, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm that multitasker. So that's a fight for me. It's a fight for me to not be doing two or three things at once. And so I know I have to get better. So any other thoughts on quality time or some ways that you feel you're good at it or something that you wanna work towards, you know, based upon what the chapter shared? I struggle with that, you know, affirm the feelings, even if you disagree with the conclusion. And part of that is, you know, my Myers-Briggs is, is that ENTP and I'm a strong D and I, I, I coach debate for a long time. So I find it hard if I, if I see a flaw in someone's reasoning <laughs> to agree with that. And, and actually I had to do this today. I had a staff member freaking out about masks and just going on and on. And I had to say that, you know, I recognize that this is scary and not continue to let her spiral and I had to keep saying yes I, I hear that this is scary um, when she was saying like it's going to be this terrible awful things and you know without without trying to trying to use logic to talk down her emotions yeah. and that's that's not what she needed she didn't need me to be right uh, about something she just needed me to affirm that this was scary yeah but I, I do I have to work really consciously at that because it's not the way that that I tend to operate so much so yeah, that's that lens principle, right? You know, you know, I've got a note here. Um, you know, my mom passed away um, seven years ago now, and 
when she was, you know, not well, you know, I didn't know she was not well in terms of not you know, living much longer. But I just remember those last couple of years, like I tried to cheer her up through stuff or like, hey, here's a, listen to Zig Ziglar, right? And she's like, why the heck would I want to listen to Zig Ziglar? Like, I want to listen to you, Tom. Like, I would probably guess that my mom's love language was probably quality time too. And I significantly failed at that when she needed me most. So when you got these four types of quality time, you got focused attention, quality conversations, shared experiences, um, right? And, and this, you know, small group dialogue. It's just, um, these are some really important ways as leaders, we have to fight. I was talking to some new principals today. You have to fight. You have to fight the urge to work. You got to fight it. It's a daily fight not to just work as a principal because your people are asking for these things. Focus attention, quality conversations, shared experiences, small group dialogue. And it's those shared experiences is one of the key aspects of creating better relationships. And the better your relationships are as a team, the higher your level of trust is going to be, the better your collaboration is going to be, you know, the more you're willing to have those timely, difficult conversations and healthy conflict conversations to get to the best result but if you don't take the time to do these parts your culture will definitely struggle yeah and so going off of what that is is that's my highest um and so i can say like um i think it was jenny jenny's big thing is words i really don't care how many times you have to tell me that i'm great like that doesn't really matter to me um, but I think it's important for what they had on page 69 for the book for me is that although we may value quality time, it's not guaranteed that we want quality time with the boss. Sometimes we just want quality time with our teammates um, and the people that we work with and trying to find those hidden pockets for different things like that is um, challenging. And so just kind of being able to let us have that quality time. Um, like I know I usually stay at the office a lot later than other people, but you know, luckily I was able to leave a couple of times with, with everybody else and being able to just simply like walk and clock out with somebody and walk to the parking lot. I was like, Oh, this is really nice. <laughs> like, I don't normally see anybody. <laughs> and so, um, I think it's important to know like the difference with your, with your team, you know, is it, I need my supervisor or I need my principal to like come in or is it just literally just like I just need my teammate you know like I just need to talk it out with my teammate see if if everything's okay and then and going from there and so um, I think a few of my teammates are picking up on that and so like we check on each other more and we're like looking for each other in the morning we're like where are you at uh, we need to be here and so um, I think that part can do a lot for for morale as well is making sure that not only are you as a, as a supervisor or a boss or a leader or whatever are checking in with your team but understanding what them being able to check in with each other can do because if your team is solid then you should have no in my eyes you don't have a problem you know with being able to have expectations met or anything like that because the team gets along if the team doesn't get along then that's where i think some of the downfall can happen yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up that point about quality time. And I, I remember reading it, but hearing you say it again about how the quality time isn't necessarily time with the, the leader of the school, but it's it's time with other colleagues. Because, you know, initially as I'm going through this, I'm taking notes like, okay, who are the teachers that always want to come in and touch base with me? Right. Like, and I'm like, okay, those are teachers that value quality time those are teachers that value quality time with me but i also then have to think about who are the teachers that are sitting together and spending their lunch hour connecting rather than um making copies or doing something else and so it that really gave me kind of two lenses to look through the staff and see who value who values what different types of quality time i'm glad to help <laughs> Yeah. And I think that idea, like if you don't know 
what I'm, and I'm actually wondering, like, if I need to do a survey with people and say, which would you rather have? Because I think we spend, I'm on a lot of different group boards to keep talking about, you know, the snack cart this year. Like I keep, you know, teacher morale is really low, so let's bring in donuts, right? Or teacher morale is really low, so let's plan an outing. And if, and then nobody goes, right? And then everyone's really frustrated. It's like, but I, I arranged for us all to go to the ball game or I arranged for us to all go get beers and nobody showed up. Um, if that's not their language of appreciation, um, you know, spending more time with their coworkers is not what they want. If what they really want is some release time so they can go do the things they need to do, um, that's that's going to mean a lot more than all the donuts and coffee in the world or all the all the sort of um, what my husband called forced fun, <laughs> mandatory fun. And Deb, with that, like I'll add in. So my leadership. Um, one of my jobs is, is technology. And so last week, you know, they let me know that I needed to start on an inventory, but I have like a full teaching caseload and I help out with OCS on NCBPS. And so like I'm stacked. And so I was like, what's my deadline? Like, is this flexible? And then, you know, I don't think my assistant principal knows how much it meant that she said, hey, I know I put a bunch on your plate, I'm getting you a sub so that you can work on everything else. And I was just like, oh, that right there, like that meant a lot to me because I was like, I didn't want to, she knew I was starting to get overwhelmed. Like, how am I going to meet all of this stuff? But I'm never somebody that's going to be like telling you that I'm at that point. But she and I had worked in an office very closely together and she's, she's like started to understand my body language and things like that and she was like you know what I'm gonna get you a sub you write out your lesson plans and you just work on everything else and I was like that right there that was that was huge for me and so um yeah I definitely think those are those little things that you don't even think about if you have people who are on your team that have a lot and I was like that right there even though I was by myself my principal knew like hey this is what I need you to do. And this is how I can support you right now is giving you a sub. And then you just let me know anything else. And I was like, that's big. That's huge. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so you all just made me think about, um, there's a question I put in, in the Facebook group today, right? It's not about saying, I know. It's about asking yourself, how well do I do that? Because I might know that there's such thing as five languages of, of appreciation. And I might even know what all five of them are. But how well do I do it is what I have to ask myself, right? That's just looking yourself in the mirror as a leader and say, okay, what role do I have in this current problem? And then, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out, right, with everybody. But how do I try to incorporate all the languages, you know? And that's what they, you know, I try to get to is <clears throat> as much as you try to appreciate your people, how many different languages can I incorporate in every, in every opportunity? And uh, um, yeah, jeans days, you know, bagels up front, like they're all nice, but they don't make my working, my working conditions better. They just, you know, make me not fit my pants better, right? You know, sometimes, right? Or, you know, remind me that I don't have jeans or, you know, I mean, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, so those are, those are the next one, right? Is that, is that act? No, that's, that, that would be gifts, right? So the next one is acts of service. Acts of service was the next one in the book, right? Yeah. Um, so pitching in and helping others get done. Uh, and this is my regular love language is acts of service. You know, just tell me how you, just, you know, tell me it's done. I just love it. I love it when people get stuff done you know, for me, right? And then I try not to micromanage it uh, on the way out. Um, but so there was some, there was some, I've got notes for myself, so I don't know if these, you know, were in the book, but the one thing that is important when it comes down to acts of service is making sure that your own work is done first. Sometimes, you know, people are very happy to do the work of others. It's like, well, are you focusing on your own work here, right? Um, ask before you help. And uh, this was an issue um, when I was uh, in a large government office working. Um, we had a teammate who, wasn't, who had some things going on and had to miss some work. 
and I had, uh, so I would transfer their calls to my phone um, when I was in my cubicle. And uh, this happened a couple of times. And then one time when I knew that they were gonna be out, I went over to do it and there was a big note on the phone and it said, do not transfer calls. And I was like, oh, well, that's weird. Well, later, maybe a month later, we did a disc type you know, workshop. <clears throat> and uh, one of the questions that we asked was, what do you need from your teammates? And this person looked right at me and they said, I don't need other people to do my job. And I was like, oh, wow, that was, I think she was looking at me and talking to me when she said that. So I talked to my wife about it and she said, oh, well, don't you know riffs? I said, I don't know what a riff is. She goes, reduction in force. By you doing that person's job, you're basically showing that they're not necessary. Now here, because my love language is acts of service, right? I like to be the big shot. I was doing something, but here it was, it was actually, you know, probably hers, you know, you know, may have been that um, words of affirmation, right? I was, you know, basically demoralizing her without even knowing. I was just trying to help, right? So just be really sure that you ask before you help. Don't assume you know what people need. Uh, if you're going to help, do it their way, right? <laughs> This one's hard for me. I can't do this one. This might be my greatest weakness. That's probably why I wrote all, are these in the book? I guess these are all in the book. I must've written them down for a reason, but this was probably hard for me to get through. Uh, serve voluntarily. Um, don't, don't keep score. Oh, this was a big one for me. Like you help other people. And I just, I used to keep score all the time. And I watched my mom keep score. And you know, when she passed, she was upset with a lot of folks. That was really important for me to stop uh, keeping score. Check your attitude and complete what you start. Oh yeah, that'd be awful, right? If you know someone says they're gonna do something but not actually finish the job all the way through. So man, I got a big list to get through here, Courtney. I gotta get better at all of these, all, all these things here, right? Um, and I've We're got, here to support you. Just let uh, us know how. <laughs> what these groups are. This is just, yeah, this is just, uh, yeah. And I even like, like, like here's another one uh, that I wrote myself. Man, I could just go on with these stories. Uh, the one, don't assume you know what people need. I remember uh, we had this teacher. She was a beginning teacher and she was a good, a good teacher. Her room was a mess. Oh, it was awful. Well, we went in one day as a bunch of administrators and cleaned it up you know, thinking that that's what she needed, right? Because that's what we wanted. We wanted a clean room. Whew. He was not happy with us, but we didn't know, right? So we, we, you know, we assumed, and that was faulty assumptive leadership. <clears throat> so I think a big part of this book, you know, back to Deb's point is, you know, there's a lot of assumptive leadership that we do based upon our own lens, you know, principle and what we know and what we think and what we believe everybody else should have because it's good for us so it should be good for everybody else and this acts of service list you know these seven pieces that that could keep me busy for a while trying to get better at all these so any of you have any key notes that you wrote yourself not to do anymore <laughs> from this chapter well, for me i'm that person that i don't check my own list before i help somebody else mm -hmm. so that's my biggest thing i think a lot of my coworkers know like if they need something they'll ask me and they know that i'm going to get it done and it, it'll just continue to push my list further like because i'm like if they need it then i i gotta make sure that they have it and you know because it'll make their job easier and then everything's going to be great and then i'll be like Oh yeah, but I still have like 10 things on my list that I need to do. So um, I know that I love being able to help out other people. I think that that's the, the appreciation vibe that I give off. Like if I'm able to help you, please let me help you. Um, but I do it in that I don't monitor everything that I have to get done. And so it's not until somebody checks in and is like, hey, where are you at with your list? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I should probably start on that, but you know, and then it sometimes, a lot of the times it comes full circle, you help them. And so they're like, all right, let's help you. What, what can we get done? And so, um, it was a lot, one of the biggest challenges that I've had to work through, um, is letting other people help. And so I'm like, I don't have to do everything. Um, but that goes into that, what we're talking about on doing it a specific way. I also have to remember that my way is not the only way. So just because I, I'm asking somebody to help, they actually may have a more efficient 
way of being able to do it. And I just have to trust in that. And yeah. Yeah. It becomes the, uh, the feel good procrastination strategy, right? I, I don't really want to do my work because that feels icky, but I could go do something and help somebody else and that feels good. <laughs> so I'm going to avoid, <laughs> avoid the stuff I don't want to do. Yeah. That's a challenge that, a lot of people need to root out, right? Just that whole, so whether you're doing other people's work or doing easier work first, that is procrastination is the number one, number one sign of failure. And, uh, and yeah, whew, I'm good at it. I love it. I love it. And then I go, oh my gosh, I only have 45 minutes to get done all the things. And then I, then I like to feel like important and anxious. Um, I, I have a disease, everybody. I'm working on it every day, but th but this is but this is good. And I wrote myself two more key notes here. So help me through these. Um, do not rescue anyone not carrying their weight. Do you guys remember reading that part in there? And that, you know, such an interesting part, right? So so when I think of the book Multipliers, uh, Liz Wiseman wrote it. That's one of the the miniature qualities. It's like when you go in and save the day for other people right? You like love it. Like you come in and you parachute and you save and you save the day, but it's actually diminishing, um, you know, behavior. And then, and then the other one is, is um, identify the bottlenecks and create better systems um, instead, right? So don't do the work for other people, just help them come up with a better strategy to get it done. I think one of the things that's difficult for me with this is kind of the balance of how do you, I mean, being a servant leader can be very self-fulfilling as well, right? I mean, that's, there's somebody else who can wipe down the kindergarten tables at the end of the day, but it does bring me a sense of, you know, just kind of camaraderie and being a part of the institution to be able to serve in that servant leader role or to work directly with um, a teacher or a staff member in that way. But I, I also have to be an instructional leader and I have to make sure that I'm putting my time and energy into what's really going to move the school forward the most. That's not wiping down kindergarten tables. And so I, I think as I read through this chapter and reflected on it, it was how do I ensure that the acts of service that I'm providing and in, in, in the ways in which I'm supporting are really aligned to the greater values and mission and vision of our school and not just something that's only like the feel good for me or the quick feel good for a staff member um how do i find those other opportunities to do that or else i could be stuck in the cafeteria wiping down tables for three hours a day or you know just covering duties all the time for people and so how do i grow that in a way that really is the most impactful uh for our school yeah. I've written down a note that comes actually from one of Tom's things that he likes to say about don't delegate, empower. And so, you know, if I'm being a servant leader, am I actually taking away an opportunity from somebody else to grow? And is that by giving them, you know, responsibility, is that a gift of trust that shows that I, I trust that they can do this? Isn't that a form of appreciation? And I, I'd made a little margin note, right? We had the chance to hear Stacey Abrams speak last fall when she was in Durham. And she tells a story about if you work in her office, um, even if you're an intern for a day or two, if you answer the phone, you stay on that phone until you get the answer the person wants. There is no passing it off to someone else. There's no, I don't know, I'll have someone else call you back. It's like you stay with them and then you go out and find people and you keep coming back, but you are the connector for that person to the answer, even if you don't have the answer. And that, that idea of that, that gift of service of that time that I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I don't just pass you off to someone else, even if I don't know it. Um, I, I just thought that was a really, a really powerful way to kind of run an office and a mindset. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's something we could do with, you know, how do, often do we say to teachers like, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll ask, the, I'll ask the, the, the business manager if we have the budget for that, instead of saying, I will go do that and find that for you, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to be your connector until we get you that thing that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Dead, you nailed it right so back to Jenny's point you know I can wipe down the tables but how long am I going to do it right and then say okay and then also back to what Courtney said what am I really avoiding right now 
this is really convenient for me to wipe down tables because it needs to be done. I was, after the staff meeting the other day, I was, you know, putting all the chairs and tables away. And I had said, as like, you know, just have the staff, if everybody took their chair, this would be done in a minute. But it's kind of convenient sometimes that we know we've got, you know, bigger things to work on, but the chairs got to go away. Right. So that's all, all of those, all of those habits that we have formed are things that we need to take a deeper look at. So I'll sometimes just say out loud, you shouldn't be doing this right now. Now I'm only talking to me. I'm not talking to other people. I'm talking to me. You should not be doing this right now. And that's, that's a real, real important piece, but you're right. Everything has to be done, you know, but then why do I have all these people working with me? That's what I always ask myself. Well, what is your job? If I'm here wiping the tables, then what's your job? So anything else from, from this, from this, uh, from this um, section here? So I've got a note to myself about missing the mark. Here. Sorry, the cat's making an appearance. Yes. Yeah. What's his name? Remind me of the cat's name. I can't remember. This is Jefferson. Jefferson. Okay. Named after the Hamilton character because his theme song is "What Did I Miss?" He's <laughs> always afraid he's being left out of something. Yeah. Uh, oh. missing, missing the mark here. It says, "I wrote myself to do a task that you think is most helpful, but to do, but oh gosh, I can't read my own writing." But to the person, this is not what they need, right? It, it's a selfish, you know, task. It's a, it's, it's more about me than it is. And that's maybe going back to my phone story, right? So just really asking people, like, what would be helpful for you? How would you like it done? What would be the best time to help, right? Just really getting off your own agenda and asking them, you know, uh, questions about how you could be more helpful to them. Uh, is just is just an important part of our job, and that too, Virginia, is also being a servant leader. Because if they say no or I'm good, well, that's a choice that they made. But by you not asking them, now you've taken away that opportunity for them, right, to accept help or to be helped, which is a really important part that a lot of leaders need to learn how to do. It's okay to be helped. And it's okay not to know it all. And it's okay not to have to do it all. Because you should only be focusing on maybe three to five things anyway. Because the more you focus on, the less you focus on. That's good, Courtney. You should write that down. I like that. The more you focus on, the less you focus on. Awesome. Cool. So any so what's a good action step for everybody? What's what's one thing after just looking at these three appreciation languages that you that you can do? Uh, over this next two weeks because we have a week break because I'll be in Colorado speaking at the charters the Colorado Charter School Conference next week so I think we're back on March 8th off the top of my head uh, but what's what's one thing you could do Courtney um, one thing you can apply change or teach um well I honestly have been trying to figure out a way to tie this in we got a homework assignment to create a professional development that we have to give to our the rest of our teams and i've been trying to figure out a way to throw this into one of my stations to to get them to be able to talk and kind of analyze you know appreciation as we're you know about to move into testing and we're about to you know close out the year and everything like that and so um but i think honestly what it's simply going to be for me over the next couple of weeks is just really working on making sure that i understand my teammates appreciation style um and meeting meeting that for them um because i know obviously i'm sure we can all um agree sometimes you have better relationships than with others um, just because of different working styles and things like that and so what i don't want is for anybody that i work with um, to feel as if I don't believe that they are, you know, part of my team or I don't want to work with them or anything like that. So really just kind of being mindful about my interactions that I have with everyone. And, um, I used to do that note, that sticky note thing when I was going around all the time being a coach. And so I think that'll be cool if I can, um, 
you know, once a day over the next couple of weeks, drop a, a happy note or something like that for, for some teammates. Excellent. I love that. Maybe even just make a station where they just, you just put what the languages are and say, you know, well, maybe you, you could even ask them the question, do you feel appreciated by your supervisors? It's anonymous. And then what is your appreciation language? And then you could at least try to gauge the percentage of the people in your group. That'd be interesting. How about you, Deb? What's uh, something you can put, put forward? Well, other than, you know, making sure I put some time in the calendar to make sure I get the reading done. Um, I, I really like the idea of, I, I started off this year because we just had such a hard year and I keep hearing teachers kept saying like, we're not supported to say, what, what does this look like to you? Like, what does support look like to you? And didn't get a lot of really clear answers from them. And now that we're sort of in the year and we've tried different things, I'm really thinking about taking a couple of these things and putting them into a survey and just saying, what, what would be, you know, what would be most for you? Would you rather have time? Would you rather have time, you know, to hear my ear and get your ideas heard? Or would you rather have time to go hang out with your friends? Do you want, you know, what, what is it that you want? Um, and I might, I might get some answers that surprise me. I don't know. And our, our PTO is always trying to do this too. Like we just had this Valentine's Day thing where they sent in hundreds of thousands of cookies and candies and cakes and stuff. And Tom, don't, don't let this get back to Dana. I mean, as much as we loved it, it just, a lot of it just went uneaten. Dana's our PTO president. Like our, our middle school teachers, the middle school actually doesn't eat a lot of sweets. We have a lot of people who are vegan and, and very into health conscious things and they just don't eat a lot of sugar. And it was just the kind of the wrong thing. People appreciated it, but it wasn't really something that they would, I don't, I'm not sure what they might've liked getting I don't know, maybe tea or, or granola or something, something less there, but that many chocolates, like I can't tell you how many boxes of like unopened Girl Scout cookies we still have sitting in the, in the workroom. So, yeah. So I think we, we spend a lot of time kind of guessing at what's going to make people happy instead of asking them directly. Yeah. Great point. I, there's a bunch of cookies and cake I just saw go into the you know, kitchen trash can here. So I love it. How about you, Jenny? Um, I think the one I'm going to kind of lean into a little bit this week is acts of service. I meet with our leadership team so I, uh, weekly, both as a team for leadership development, and then I also meet with each person individually. Um, and my thought was during our one-on-one -on -one meetings on Fridays um, to ask that question of, is there anything I could do for you that would make your work go better for you next week? Uh, because we have Friday meetings. And so um, I, I always say, you know, what can I do to help? How can I help you? How can I assist you through all of these things that we kind of decide that we need to move forward? But I'm going to be a little more intentional in how I ask that and how I follow through. And then working to schedule that into my calendar for the following week. So if the counselor names something that I actually schedule the time for it, if the program specialist names something, I schedule the time for it. Um, I too, um, I mean, I, nobody has enough time and I am very tight with my time. I, I am scheduled for every minute of every day. I am in classrooms two full days a week and I am scheduled the other three back to back to back to back to back. And um, if I don't schedule, it won't get done. So I need to pose the question and then I need to schedule it to ensure that I um, don't leave them hanging. And I like to spend a couple of days with you to see what that looks like. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, thanks for that. And I'm super grateful for all three of you, you know, helping out, you know, giving feedback. About 20 minutes before the session, I asked my higher power, I said, hey, it's been a long day. I really hope that the group is talkative tonight. And you were, so perfect. Uh, so thanks everybody. If you're listening to the replay, um, hopefully this added value to you. And uh, this last part's the most important, right? Is what's my action step? Because if you're gonna invest the hour in you know, listening to the archive, if you're gonna invest the time in reading the book, then you have to invest the time in application because that's the only way that you're going to get better. Uh, so mine is going to be um, that list of, uh, that list that I had to fight through of the um, acts of service, making sure I'm not 
I'm, I'm not hitting those, you know, mistakes and barriers that I'm asking people how I could help them versus just, you know, doing it you know, for them and, and, and work to multiply them, not to diminish them in any way. So thanks everybody. We'll see you back uh, March 8th for the next uh, live session for this five love language or five languages of appreciation workplace. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listeners. There's one thing I know for sure. It's everything rises and falls with leadership. And one of the challenges right now is time. We don't have a lot of time to, to grow ourselves and grow our teams. That's why we created the leadership program, School Leadership Made Real Simple. In the School Leadership Made Real Simple program, it's online, on-demand learning lessons that are built for the everyday principal, teacher leader, school administrator, and they're going to take your team to the next level. So go right now, go to schoolleadershipmaderealsimple.com and find out how you can start to build uh, groups of vision carriers and vision casters into every corridor of your school by developing the leaders around you. Go there now, schoolleadershipmaderealsimple.com. We've got great opportunities for you to get discounts on your team's leadership uh, development today. Thanks.